1: Hey, Claire. It is a rainy Wednesday afternoon. The weather's cooled off. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're finally done with summer, but uh, I'm I'm ready for cozy season.
0: Me too. I know. Fingers crossed. I just hope we don't skip it. You know, like I need the 60 degree weather and sometimes I feel like we miss it.
1: Yeah, and and well. the leaves changing color, like every so often it'll be a year where it's just like a week of really bad weather and then all the leaves are gone it's like
0: no yeah,
1: yeah. i need the orange and the yellow and the red and the yeah
0: mm. Gold. yeah me too um all right jess why don't you give us a recap from the stoning of steven at the end of act seven yeah. and then um we'll jump into what you had to cut from sunday's yeah. sermon
1: uh Yeah, so uh, we were looking at this passage, the end of Acts 7, the bulk of chapter 7, uh, we looked at the week before, which was this sort of long speech of Stephen kind of recapping their history of faith and faithfulness uh, towards God, the, the uh, Jewish people, and now he comes sort of the conclusion to it, and the people are outraged and they, they begin like gnashing their teeth and how dare you say that stuff about us and and then Stephen has this vision of uh jesus in heaven and that really pushes him over the edge so they drag him out of the city and they're like not even they're like rushing at him and threw him out of the city and stone him to death and as he's lying there dying he's literally praying for them like father forgive them and don't hold this sin against them receive my spirit you know all these echoes of jesus own sacrificial death on our behalf and we're also introduced to saul who was standing there and the the thing that comes up through this for me as i was looking at this passage and others have pointed out is uh there's so many contrasts throughout the passage but the really big one just seems to be that stephen seeing jesus is what changes his perspective. It changes his perspective on what he's going through, on how he sees the the people who are doing this to him, uh, on on the ultimate victory that Jesus mm-hmm. gives us as we trust in Him, even when we suffer for Him. So it's just the you know the the contrast between, in a sense, really these people's spiritual blindness and Stephen having his perspective changed by seeing Jesus that makes all the difference that allows him to offer love in the place of hate and forgiveness in the place of anger and vengeance, and to trust that God really is in charge, and he wins the victory, ultimately, and if we're with him, then we win whatever the hateful world or people around us choose to do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's just, it's, I mean, honestly, it's a little humbling, right? Like, I'm in situations where I'm mistreated and people say, you know, unfair things about me. And my first reaction is not naturally to pray for them and uh, say, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And, you know, this passage forces me to reckon, well, I'm probably looking at those people and looking at myself and look at the situation less than I'm looking at Jesus, and if I really saw Jesus in the middle of that and enthroned in glory and advocating for me and standing there with me in it, that would really change my perspective and my, and my response.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, you just mentioned like the echoes of Jesus's death that we see in Luke's writing of uh Stephen's death and mm-hmm. then you mentioned that earlier that like maybe you didn't get to cover all of them in the sermon can you just list all of the things that you've observed and then maybe um you can like flesh it out a little bit
1: oh man well yeah i mean there's it's almost like his whole we don't get a lot of Stephen's life but what we get of it obviously it's almost like his whole life is structured luke is picking out these Uh, obvious parallels to jesus own life i mean full of the holy spirit and full of faith and having a good reputation among the people and uh you know going back even earlier into the chapter uh the the false witnesses that are lined up against him and even the specific charges they bring against him and uh then in the passage like that we're looking at uh, right now, uh, you know, they they accuse him of blasphemy and they're just enraged and they refuse to listen to him anymore. And, and they're going to kill him. And, and as we sort of talked about earlier, I mean, Stephen is almost literally quoting Jesus saying, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't hold this sin against them. And then praying essentially as jesus does into your hands father i commit my spirit except in this case he's praying to jesus who is standing at the father's right hand and so again it's this further vindication this this further um proof of the the truth of stephen's message of who jesus is that he's now seeing jesus himself standing at the right hand of the father who is there to receive him there, there's just one other little point in here that uh, that is another echo of Jesus' own life and sacrifice, that um, they, they drag him out of the city to stone him. So just in the same way that Christ is led out of the city to be crucified, uh, Stephen is dragged out of the city. So it's like this. They're trying to underscore this further exclusion and separation, like you're so horrible that, that we're casting you out of the city. Mm-hmm. And it, it, to me, it, it made me think of this passage in Hebrews 13, where the author is saying, uh, you know, the, the bodies of those sacrificial animals that were used in the old, old covenant system, uh, are the bodies are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. So Stephen is like literally an an embodied example of exactly what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Like he is willing to bear the shame, the, the quote unquote shame of being identified with Jesus and and willing Mm -hmm. to take on himself the reproach, the rejection that Jesus himself suffered. And the beautiful thing is, I mean, he finds Jesus in that place. Isn't that what's so awesome, Mm -hmm. right? Like they, they think that they are separating a holy God from this sinful, blaspheming person when in reality, Jesus is in the place outside the city outside the camp where he himself was thrown and that's actually where we meet him where, where we identify with him and being willing to be wrongly accused and and shamed and and, uh, and dishonored for the sake of Jesus that's actually the place where we find Jesus uh it's just another just beautiful beautiful parallel uh, of how Jesus, you know, upends all these expectations and uh, judgments of people against him and, and his community uh, in a way that, again, shifts our perspective. Right? Like to be on the outside, to be alienated, to be rejected. Like we can almost feel that viscerally. Right? Like that. For many of us, we can feel like, oh my gosh, that's like the worst thing I could imagine. Right? Yeah. Is to be cast out, to be alienated, to be separated. And the the writer of the Hebrews is pointing out, but that's exactly what Jesus endured for us. And so when we experience that for him, that's especially the place where he meets us. And Mm -hmm. there's something beautiful in that. Uh, and, uh, and, And the reversal of the judgment of people in scorning Jesus is actually what brings us honor in the kingdom. when Mm -hmm. when we bear that with the the love and the hope and the faith that Jesus models for us.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jeff. So um, you were talking about just seeing Jesus does change our perspective. That's what we saw. We saw this happen to Stephen, but what if we maybe have a disoriented or distorted view mm. or perspective of Jesus already that we're coming in with and so um in our sermon discussion guide we are taken through an exercise of visualization um, we're mm. just thinking about what we think about how that what we think about and what we visualize does direct our behavior and it can do it in a positive way and it could do it in a negative way.
1: Mm. Oh man, that that's such a great exercise and because that's so powerful, right? Because it actually surfaces. do I really have real perceptions of what Jesus is like, or have I carried in maybe negative baggage? Like do I think Jesus is condemning and angry and judgmental? like depart from me, I never knew you you workers of iniquity or, uh, you know, and some of us maybe heard those voices, maybe literally from, mm-hmm parents or teachers or church leaders. like in the sense of, Oh, you're not measuring up. You're, you're not obeying the rules well enough. And I'm disappointed in you, which means God's disappointed in you. And
0: Mm
1: -hmm. man to, to do the work of recognizing those messages that we've received and, and bring them to the surface and put them up against who Jesus really is and the way he talks to us and uh, how he, (laughs) So there's a, maybe the the best kind of short way to encapsulate this is a, a book that many of us uh, went through elders and staff and many people at church that I really recommend called uh, Gentle and Lowly mm-hmm. uh, by Dane Ortlund. Um, And one of the things he brings out is there's, there's this one place in the Gospels where Jesus says, this is what I'm like. This is who yeah. I am. This is my heart. I am gentle and lowly of heart. I am, in other words, I'm patient, I'm kind, I'm I'm not angry, harsh, and judgmental. Uh, I, I want you to be yoked to me, to be connected to me in a way that's life-giving. Uh, and all the pictures, I go back, I remind myself of all the pictures in the Gospels of, yes, Jesus can be Harsh towards self righteous, proud, religious people who think that they have it all together and they mm. don't need Him and they don't need humility. But for people who are tender hearted, humble, maybe convicted, feeling down on themselves because of ways that they've failed, Jesus, oh, just see the goodness and the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus.
0: So um I'm just curious if you'd share us do this exercise um mm. with us. Mm. Um when you visualize standing face to face with Jesus, mm. what do you see or feel or experience, Jeff?
1: I, I mean, I think the the woman caught in adultery, right? Like the, the the guys are gonna drag this woman out and almost like literally throw her in front of Jesus. The law says we should stone these people, and Jesus doesn't respond to them. Mm. And You know, the answer, and fascinating, there's this fascinating, like he's writing in his finger in the dirt. And I've always wondered, like, why John includes that detail? And then he doesn't tell us what he's writing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Some people have speculated, is he like writing the Ten Commandments out and inviting those men to ask themselves, have you kept the law? Uh, Is he writing their specific sins out? We don't know. But the point is, let he who among you who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all drop their stones and walk away from the oldest to the youngest. So the ones who had the most sins, you know, to, to be convicted by. Uh, And Jesus says, where are your accusers, woman? They're gone. Well, then I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. So both those things go together, but, but hear the heart of Jesus in that, right? Like for, for people who are humble and broken and needy, he is, he is patient and kind. And he holds his arms out saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And, uh, and I just, I think of times in my life where I think I've even shared this example before, like I I play tennis. And so I, you know, I'd have a bad game. I'd start getting down on myself and I'd start all this, you know, negative talk like, Oh, Jeff, that was so stupid. You should have done that. Oh, you could have gotten that, and why'd you hit the ball there? and uh and and I literally started the practice of stopping, just literally taking a half a minute and reminding myself, this is a tennis game. This is not my identity. It's not what I'm worth. I'm a child of God. Jesus loves me. he He doesn't I mean, whether I win or lose or play well or play bad, I mean that's you know whatever. but it's not who I am. It, it's not mm-hmm. central to my identity. I God loves me. He's not condemning me. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not measuring me based on how well I play tennis. Just Jeff, remind yourself of who you are. Right? Like, man, and there's so that's so hard for us to remember and practice. I mean, we can do it, but it's not the world we live in, right? The world is all about measuring us on performance and success. And uh, you know, are you doing better this year than you did last year? And uh, there's just little room for grace and patience and forgiveness uh, yeah. in, in our culture. And Jesus stands not ignoring the reality of our sin and brokenness, but pointing us to himself and who he is for sinful, broken, needy people. He is gentle, he's kind, he's patient, and he wants us to find life and walking with him and all those things. Yeah. So it's I think it's the process of both. Yes, I identifying the, the negative perceptions that I have of Jesus, you know, he's condemning, he's disappointed in me, you know? And I was like, no, that's, that is not what Jesus says at all. Mm -hmm. I've gotten that message from somewhere else and I'm going to let who Jesus really is and what he says to me, speak to me more loudly.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that you just helped to reorient um, maybe people's perspectives when they picture coming to, to meet with Jesus. Um, Mm. I think that I've heard once, I don't know if it was like a podcast or a book, but someone was just saying like, there's a difference between when you close your eyes and you visualize being with the Lord, is he Mm. distant from you? Like how far Mm. away is he actually are Mm. you like walking hand in hand or are you Mm. meeting Mm. in close proximity? Or like when you picture he might not even be angry, but like, does he just seem like he's like distant and on a throne? Mm. He is on the throne and he does reign, but he also like comes near to us to the brokenhearted. And so um, even just, just the thought of proximity to me, that is something that has like stood out to me when I talk with the Lord in prayer. Um, Mm. or like Mm. in confession like where where is he (laughs) like just that Mm. proximity even just plays Mm. a huge role in visualization and like appropriate um visualization of jesus so
1: oh that's really good because i think every one of us has whether we grew up in the church or not uh we've internalized ideas of what god is like Probably from our childhoods, because, you know, none of us were raised in perfect homes and none of us are raising our kids in perfect homes. And, you know, so we all picked up, uh, you know, by our personalities, by our environments, all of it, uh, you know, probably unhealthy, unbiblical pictures of what we think God is like based on mm-hmm. the environments we were raised in, the people we were around, the messages we heard and internalized. Going through the process of identifying that and inviting Jesus to help us untangle that and bring it to the surface so that I can see it's not God who's standing off in the shadows, waiting to catch me doing something wrong or failing to live up to the standards and and just waiting to like sort of jump out and say, ah, you screwed up. Like I knew you would. That's not right? Like the, I, that that's maybe some of the message that I grew up or internalized growing
0: up
1: because of my reality that is not who God is for me. And, and the more that I can identify that and invite Jesus to step into that place of anxiety and fear and uncertainty and uh, and and help me see who he really is for me in those places that helps me start to become healthier and more free and more alive and more confident in who Jesus is for me um at a, at a big level but then also at at you know at the at the micro level of my my everyday life right like uh life is not just a series of whether it's raising kids or whatever it's not just a series of tests i'm supposed to be passing and um Yeah, I mean, even in the reality of, you know, stepping outside of my own personal experience, I was just thinking like, okay, so a stay-at-home mom or somebody at work, like, what does it mean to see things through the perspective of knowing that Jesus is present and who he is with me in those things? Man, I just remember like raising young kids and it can be frustrating at times, right? Because they're little and they can't do things as quickly as we would like, or, you know, they, they get distracted and they forget what they're supposed to be doing and, man, I just had to remind myself so often, my job is not to get the thing done. My job is to love these kids and model mm. Jesus' patience and kindness. It doesn't mean there's no rules. It doesn't mean, you know, there's no expectations, but more important than like getting out the door at the time I think I need to get out the door or getting all the errands done in the, you know, the way or the time that I think they should be, you know, like, no, My job is to see Jesus with me in my parenting and see how my kids relating to me and how I'm relating to them as an opportunity to reflect what Jesus is like. Like Jesus is gentle and kind and patient. He's not impatient with me. He doesn't get frustrated and annoyed with me that I'm not getting it faster than I am. And that helps me in how I'm looking at what I'm going through in my days, right? Like, all the interruptions in Jesus life and ministry that the gospels point out, like, man, being a parent uh, at times just feels like one constant string of interruptions. Like, well, I was trying to go here, but then the kid got his shoelaces knotted and he peed on his shoelaces and now I can't untie them. And it's, you know, it's just like, okay, but Jesus lived with this whole willingness to be interrupted and just understand like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing right now and yeah. this is the opportunity the Father has in front of me to reflect what he's like in this interruption with this yep. people that have you know taken over my schedule but you know they're people that God loves and it's an opportunity for me to reflect Christ in that reality and the same thing with you know work and interruptions and in work days and frustrating projects and uh, all of it when I see that, Jesus is not just there with me in some ethereal sense, but like, no, I mean, the Holy Spirit is actively working in all these things as opportunities to help me see more of Jesus, grow in him and reflect him in all those things that he's bringing in front of me, like my daily work, the responding to emails, the, you know, going on sales calls, the, you know, being, being, living in a retirement home, you know, maybe dealing with health challenges that I don't want to be having to deal with or wasn't expecting this pain or loss at this point in my life. It's like, yeah, that's reality of life in a broken world and Jesus knows what that's like. And, and when I see him with me in those things, it really changes how I'm able to walk through them with hope and confidence and perspective. Mm
0: -hmm. And also
1: like Stephen, I mean, this vision, the, the reminder that, this is not the end of the story either, right? Like it, it feels overwhelming and discouraging and there's no hope. And maybe things don't change practically in the reality I'm living through, but I'm also not just living only in this world, right? Like I'm, this is the worst it's going to be for me as a follower of Jesus. And, and that man, that's encouraging.
0: Um, Yeah, it's true. Um, Yeah. I, I would agree with everything you say, um, in my role as a stay-at-home mom, like without the perspective of the gospel and Jesus or orientation towards Jesus, like I totally lose perspective over my day. Um, but with the right orientation, then like changing diapers can become like an act of worship or preparing meals, um cleaning up meals clean like disciplining children or playing with children Mm -hmm. like it it all of a sudden gives like meaning to every task that seems meaningless honestly there are plenty of people who aren't stay-at-home parents but um or parents in general but just there are we all have tasks that are seemingly meaningless and um but like nothing is lost in the sight of the Lord and like it can all be done as an act of worship um, if we have this like first orientation towards Jesus so anyways that's how I feel like the mm-hmm. gospel has changed my perspective day to day
1: that's great Claire. Uh,
0: well I encourage people to check out the discussion guide this week which takes them through this exercise of visualization and really take some time to think about how do you view God? And, um, do you have like, how do those influence your behavior? Mm. Those views of God, is it positive? Is it negative? And do you need to reorient in any way? Um, and it might be really difficult to do on your own. So of course, talking with someone who knows you really well or a mentor or like, obviously pastor Jeff, you would welcome Mm. those conversations if people are trying to work through this. So um, yeah, I encourage people to check it out. You can find it on the app and online with our sermon. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll put in another plug for uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortlund. Uh If you haven't read it, or if you have and you know, it could be good to, I've gone through it probably three or four times now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's a great book to go through, not just on your own, but with others. And, you know, if, if that becomes a platform for talking about ways that, uh, I, you know, wow, maybe I don't see Jesus enough this way or that that challenges. I mean, encourages me, obviously, but it maybe also challenges some of my assumptions that yeah. like deep buried ideas about who God is for me and what he's like. Uh, so I can that, I mean, that in itself can help surface some of those things and, yeah. and help us revisualize Jesus in the right way it's rich and and the chapters are not super long and it's i wouldn't say it's literally a devotional book but it's you know it's kind of written in a sense that way it's it's just meant to sort of lift our vision to Jesus and encourage us and okay. stretch our hearts in good ways uh to see Christ in his beauty and kindness and patience and love okay
0: Well, Jeff, thank you for sharing with us um, a little bit of Cut for Time and a little bit of, you know, doing this exercise um, Mm -hmm. out in the open. And um, we appreciate that. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithofitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.